Hello, Padres fans, and welcome to another episode of Painting the Padres. We hope this episode would not come to pass, but here it is. Padres have been eliminated from the playoffs, very unfortunately. Logan and I were sticking with them to the end, but ultimately couldn't pull it out. Just got outplayed by the Phillies and that Bryce Harper guy. So, yeah, disappointing ending, but... It's the best season by far of our lifetime, Logan and I, and pretty much undoubtedly the third best season in the 54 years of Padres baseball. So that's definitely something to be proud of. Yeah, it is. And it's really like, I have such mixed emotions where I like, I'm sad, slight bit of anger, but that's not, I wouldn't really say that's an overwhelming feeling that I've had. Um, And just kind of like, also really like happy in hindsight because had it's so weird how this works and this this happens every time but like had someone have told us going to the playoffs we would make it to the a or the nlcs been like heck yeah i'm taking that all day but Mm -hmm. once you make it there and you see how close you are to the world series and the fact that every one of the games that we lost was so winnable it it just it's like I want that. I want to make it to the World Series so bad. Um, because you see how hard it is to get there. It's so hard. Yeah. Teams of Destiny are real. You have one bad three-game stretch and you're done. Like, Yeah, yep. it's just it's a tough pill to swallow. Definitely. Yep. Looking at the series specifically, you know, game one, obviously Wheeler shoved... It felt winnable in that ninth inning, but, you know, is what it is. And win game two, one of the more exciting games that you're going to watch as a Padres fan. Um, I don't, I won't ever forget that game. Um, you know, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was great to tie the series up. And then once you're tying the series up, you know, you have Musgrove and they have Ranger Suarez. And then we're both probably going to go bullpen days before we get back to the big dogs. Johnny and I talked about it. We felt pretty confident in that. And, uh, yeah. It's just unfortunate to not come out with either one of those games, but you still didn't feel like the series was over. Over, um, no, you know, not at all. Because you knew you had your three dogs. You had Darvish, Schnell, and Musgrove aligned to pitch in these games, and the Phillies had their guys too. But it didn't feel impossible, and especially when we took the lead late there in the game five, I felt like we had given us a really good shot with Musgrove and Snell left. Um, but like Absolutely. you said, that that Bryce Harper guy, and Johnny and I were talking about this off pod. I said this to him. I still have yet to see the Harper ball land. Uh, once that ball was hit, I knew it was gone. I just I shut off everything. I knew the game was over. Though I did turn it back on in the ninth because I can't like not watch. But you know, I never saw the ball land. And every time that video comes up on my feed, I I don't watch it. So yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, it's. It's just one of those things, like we were saying this earlier, that's going to be on those videos, you know, moments of the decade in baseball or even in American sports in general. Just like it's hard to appreciate in the moment, especially on the losing side. Like, wow, that was just a legendary moment in baseball history. And it sucks to be on the wrong side of it. But yeah, I mean, as you said, we did not play poorly this series. And 
it definitely hurt to lose both games three and four. I, I really did not see that happening uh, because I felt that we had a pretty significant advantage in both games. But once we did, even then, yeah, you know, you're thinking, okay, we win against Wheeler. We got to scrap out a win. And then we go home, home field advantage for the last two games. We got two dogs on the mound, totally winnable. But yeah, just to have the the rug snatched out from under your feet, it's brutal. Oh, it really, really is brutal. Um, I don't even know, like that day that we lost, it was like, I really am not like a huge moping around guy, you know, we, I can, I'm sad, but I can usually present myself better outwardly, especially when I'm out, but I really just couldn't, like it was really tough. It sucked. Like, and I've seen these videos, like kind of recapping our season and I guess I didn't appreciate like how much I really love this team until it's over. Like I knew I loved this team. I knew like I really enjoyed these guys on the team. But like now I'm like, dang, we're never gonna see this group of guys together again, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah. And Musgrove said it in his post game interview um, after Game Five, the loss. And he said, you know, yeah, that's you know, we're never. This was our only chance with this group of guys to go all the way. And yeah, we'll have another chance next year, but it'll be a different group. Um, you know, he didn't say it, but this is this was Myers' last shot in San Diego. Um, he's He was the cornerstone for the last six years, the light at the end of the rebuild tunnel. And uh, to have him leave without getting a ring, it's tough. Yeah, and I mean, you look at a guy like Craig Stam and the career he had, um, you know, he may not be a significant piece, but the dude played what, 11 years in the pros? Um, and I think this was the deepest he ever made it. Uh, you look at guys like, you know, the Jose Zocars and, and the, the borderline roster guys, and, you know, guys like Alfaro, who we probably aren't going to carry next year, but the whole city loves. Um, you just never know for guys like that, are they going to be able to be on a winning team again? Are they good enough to sign contracts with winning teams once we get rid of them? And the answer a lot of times is no. You see these career guys who bounce around. Like I'll use Freddie Galvis as a good example. Um, you know, unless you come up on the team that's really good, you know, for a guy like that, if he wants to start, you know, he had to sign with the bad teams in the in the league, and and I feel for guys like that because. Every athlete, what's the main goal? It's to win a championship. You want to win. Um, but at some point, you kind of have to take a back step to that sort of thing to just be on a team and make money. Um, and there's just a lot of guys, you know, I think of that I feel for. Uh, I've been on a team. Uh, we made it to the state championship. Uh, it was four teams, and it, we didn't end up winning at all. And when you're with a team sent for, I mean, in college, it was, you know, since, oh man, we, we started playing in August together and the season ended in June. You, you play with guys that long and they do become your family. You see them every day. You see them longer than your family. Um, and you build this connection and you want to win with them 
almost as much as you just want to win yourself. So I know that's why it's really tough in that clubhouse. And I think, you know, I'll shut up here. I've been talking for a while, but you know, that Austin Nola interview was very telling, you know, that, that was crushed, not crushing, but you could feel that, you know, he could have cried. You could tell there was a little bit of that in his voice. Oh, totally. It totally, it almost made me cry. And like, and he's not even sad. Like, it's not like he's, you know, it's just, you can feel the, like the pure emotion, like, man, you know, he really feels it just like we do. And like that, that just kind of half second of disbelief after the final out, like, no, it's not over yet. Right. Like it can't be over. No, totally. I, yeah, when Castellanos caught that ball, it's like, because you look back at the playoffs, and I think it's safe to say that was the most fun that I've had, like, ever. Oh, Just watching easy. that team, Dodgers, Mets, even the Philly series, like, it was so much fun. And it's like, it's over with a dissatisfying ending. It really sucks, especially for a franchise like us, who doesn't get this this often. Right. But, you know, by the same token, because this hasn't happened to us so much, we can really look back on it, you know, with pride and say this was one of the best Padres seasons of all time. I called it the third best off the top um, behind only our two pennant winning seasons in 84 and 98. I don't think anyone would argue with that. But also, it's not like this was a 2019 Nationals run where it's like, you know, one last ride with the band. And, you know, the core is leaving. We can really, really look to next year right now and say, we will be a better team next year. Oh, for sure. And I think that's what's kind of kept me from the, like, you know, depression about this is because I can look to next year and I can get excited about the offseason because we can make some moves to fill up like glaring holes, but there isn't 17 holes that we have to fill. There's glaring holes for sure in this Padres team, and we're trust us, we're gonna have episodes talking about what the Padres should and shouldn't do. But Absolutely. they're fillable holes, and they're fillable with like you know exactly what we need. There isn't some like, well, we could go this route or like, no, it's pretty obvious what we need to do. The only thing is kind of, you know, of course, Tatis kind of messes up a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, like Johnny says, this is not a one and done. This team is gonna be good for the next. I would say two years for sure. And we'll kind of have to reassess after that if, you know, where we're at. But I imagine the way Seidler spends, we're going to be good for a while. So, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't make this suck any less though. No, but it's, it makes you not focus on the sucking as much because you have something else to focus on, something else to be excited about. And that's another you know, huge reason why it's great to have an owner like Peter Seidler and a GM like AJ Preller, because, you know, like, I don't have any doubt in my mind that they will do everything they can to fill our holes this offseason. And I know that's not, you're not going to go out and sign judge for 40 million a year, or something, but they're going to be proactive and get creative and explore all the options and, you know, do their best to put a winning product on the field. And I really feel for fan bases that come off a playoff run and have to question, like, well, are we going to spend an extra $3 million on the edges of the roster to, 
you know, like Cleveland. Cle- yeah. If we were in Cleveland's position, I would be ecstatic because I'm like, okay, I know we're going to spend big on the free agent market this winter. We've got young pieces to trade too to fill other holes. And Cleveland is just like, well, you know, we're going to hope that our young guys can continue to get better. And, you know, we've got a good manager, good pitching staff, good player development, and, you know, let the kids play. And, you know, it does, it is very fulfilling to win that way. And that's taking nothing away from the Cleveland Guardians. But it's hard to to get your fan base super invested in that. Um, yeah, as for the Padres, uh, definitely super excited to see where they go this winter. We're probably going to have, like, an entire hour long episode on where they should play Tatis next year. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, you think eventually his name will calm down, but it's not, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be every single talking point is going to be around him. Every move we make offensively have to bring up him because he changes it so much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which kind of sucks because I'm kind of tired of that dude right now. But I know the <laughs> second that I see him playing, I'm going to love him on the field and be so excited he's back. So, um, right. but yeah, just just to kind of you know reflect a little bit more on the season as a whole for the Padres. Um, you have this initial letdown, right, when Tatis gets hurt. And you know he's out for a long, long time. And then there's that moment of, okay, let's figure this out. And we do to an extent. We play really good baseball in terms really of good. record. Like we we were getting the job done, and and that was really it. It was we got the job done for the first what was that month and a half, two months maybe. I'd say um, two months at least. We we slipped into first place in late June. Yeah. So, yeah. So a good portion of the season, uh, and then things started to go downhill. Manny Machado gets hurt. Doesn't come back the same player initially. Guys just aren't hitting. Our offense is tanking. Grisham can't touch a baseball. You know, no one's coming up with clutch hits. The runners left on base thing was historic. The amount of people we were leaving on base this year kind of gets overlooked because we kind of shut that whole thing down in the playoffs. But, I mean, let's not forget, we were historically bad at not getting runners in. And it was frustrating. And... Those thoughts started to trickle in at one point for me, and I know it did for you a little bit as well, though I feel like you were a little more optimistic than I was of, is this going to happen again? Are we have a 2021 repeat? Mm-hmm. Are we going to miss the playoffs again after being in first place in June? Like, it, it definitely, and there was a point where on pod I said we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I kind of half wondered if you were saying that just to, you know, rattle my spoons. But... It wasn't to rattle your spins. It was, I will, like, I was just, I wasn't trying to rattle you. It was more, I was just so frustrated. And a lot of times when I get frustrated, the way that I respond is worst case scenario. And that was worst case scenario. Yes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was, it was serious desperation time in Padre land, which I'm sure you all know if you were, you know, reading the signs the same way we were. Is like honestly, it's amazing how similar the seasons were. First two, two and a half months, we're playing like a top ten team at least, top you know, five, top five team maybe. We're sniffing first place, you know, we're neck and neck with the Dodgers, and then you know we just kind of start to play five hundred ball for a while, 
And like, you know, you're not really worried because you're already 15 games over 500. And, you know, you just kind of, ah, oh, shoot, would have been nice to win that game. But, you know, we've got a few series against bad teams coming up. We'll be able to make up the ground. And then you start not winning the series against bad teams. And then, you know, it gets another month or two and you're like, hang on a minute. We're still only 15 games above 500, you know, and the Dodgers have left us in the dust by this point. The other wild card teams are creeping up. And all of a sudden, by the trade deadline, you're like, oh, shoot, we're not in a good spot anymore. And like, it just kind of creeps up on you. And this exact same thing happened last year as well. Whereas at that point, you know, you can say what you will about whether managers really have that much effect, but we had an inexperienced manager. We had a clubhouse that, you know, didn't seem to gel as much. And that was where the, the parting of the ways happened. We just completely collapsed in August and September last year. Whereas this time, you know, we didn't set the world on fire. It wasn't like, you know, people, people will talk about that Melvin uh, chastisement on September 5th or whatever it was, September, early September in Arizona. We didn't light the world on fire after that. We still played like 500 ball, but it was enough. It was enough to get us in the playoffs. And, you know, what they always say, once you're in, anything can happen. And it almost all happened for us. Yeah. And like you said, like leading up to that trade deadline, it was like, oh, crap. But then it was like, okay, we're set. We got right. we got freaking Juan Soto. You add Josh yes. Bell, who had like a 900 OPS. Brandon Drury, who yes. had a 900 OPS. You add Josh Hader. And you're like, okay, we fixed the holes right. that we needed to fix with big-time yes. talent. Yes, and I remember saying on pod, I don't remember if it was a painting the Padres or, or main PTC, but... Um, I remember saying after the deadline, 89 wins would now be a massive disappointment. Like something would have gone massively wrong to get to 89 wins at that point, which is exactly what we finished at. Yeah. Um, I guess like you look back at it and you're like, how did we play so badly? But it was enough. But it kind of like did go massively wrong in the sense because Soto, like the thing is, like Soto played to a career low. Josh Bell turned into the worst. Like, yeah, he's a hot and cold hitter, but he had never been this cold his entire career. Brandon Drury was eh, like he didn't suck, but like I kind of could see it coming. You know, could he really continue doing what he did in Cincinnati? Whatever. And then Josh Hader became the worst pitcher in the entire sport for a good month there, where he just completely lost everything he ever had, and you're just thinking, what in the world? is going on oh, yeah. because it wasn't like just one of the guys was struggling. It wasn't even like two or three, all four guys and two of the three guys, two of the four guys are considered the best at what they do in the entire sport consistently. And the other guy was, is a career like 800 OPS guy. So mm-hmm. like what, how does that happen to all four? And like you said, we did enough to make it to the playoffs, fortunately. And I mean, you have to think, obviously you can go down the list and thank every player for at some point for what they've done uh, this season. Um, obviously hats off to Manny Machado. Cause he, without him, I mean, I don't even think we win 80 games to be honest. Um, you know, I know he didn't have a 10 war season, but he felt like he had a 15, 20 war season with us. Um, 
And, you know, Manny Machado, hats off. Darvish, Musgrove, Snell figuring it out. Um, bullpen guys stepping up, Suarez, Garcia stepped up when we needed it. Um, and hats off to our, our coaching staff for kind of figuring out Hader and, and, and that was huge. I mean, if, if we don't figure out Hader again, I don't know. Is that a difference of three to four games on the stretch? Maybe, maybe, um, you know, a big shout out to Alfaro, uh, without him, we don't have five of those wins. You know, there's a chance we could have easily lost four of those games. And if we lose four of those games, we're not in playoffs. Um, so, you know, a lot of things to go around, obviously, but I think those are kind of the main ones that come off the top of my head. Uh, Bob Melvin kept this team together, and we can dog on some of his playoff decisions, which were not the best. But we're not here without him, and that's just what happens in the playoffs. If we get out of those and Suarez strikes out Harper and, you know, Clevenger and Manaya just don't suck because at the end of the day, they shouldn't just suck every time we're not blaming him. Yeah. And just really quick to go back to what you said about the, the deadline acquisitions. Yeah. The three of them completely sucked. Drury, the one that was like, you know, doing somewhat okay, then got a concussion and sucked some more. Like, at that point, I was literally saying, like, I don't care who we get in free agency in a trade. Our focus should be on burning down Petco Park, rebuilding the queue, and, like, getting rid of this curse that we somehow have. <laughs> because yeah. at that point, it was just, it was unfathomable how badly we had broken Soto and Bell and Hater. Just, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. But... Soto turned it around in the playoffs a little bit and, you know, down the stretch. Bell had some good moments, you know, and Hayter was the one out of the four that really, you know, looked super dominant uh, yeah. after that little month of, month of forgetfulness. Um, but, yeah, huge thanks all the way around to, to everyone in the roster and the coaching staff front office for making this the best year of Padres baseball in either of our lifetimes. Yeah, no, exactly. Couldn't have said that any better. Disappointing, but very grateful. And we'll never forget this playoff run. Uh, the moments in this, it wasn't it wasn't a boring playoff run, uh, which is something that we'll always be able to appreciate. Can there even be a boring, is there such a thing as a boring playoff run? No, but I mean, you could kind of low-key argue the Yankees or the Astros playoff uh, series against the Yankees besides the Pena home run didn't have much excitement per se. That's true. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's always potential that you could you know not have ex like you could you could in theory you know lose every game by two, win every game by two, and they're close, but they're not like thrilling. But like I'll never forget. Like I'll have that ever ingrained in my mind. Vasia throwing that slider to Cronenworth and having it drop in center oh, field yeah. in his reaction. I'll forever have the moments of you and I at Petco Park looking at all the towels, screaming our, our heads off, ingrained in my mind. Um, Musgrove walking yes. off the mound, flicking yes. his ear. Like, just those moments, yes. like, like, it was like I, you know, put those into my mind as pictures and could go to them and just like you can go to a picture on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm absolutely not taking anything like this is. This is. These are some of the best moments of my life. That being at Petco, 
yelling so loud that you like you can't even hear yourself because everyone else is is even louder it's like just amazing amazing moments the i think the most indelible moment was the rain in game four after the rally and just it was absolute bedlam everyone was was going crazy and yeah it was it was one of the best times of my life so can't wait for next year next october hopefully we'll be back in it we really should be um but yeah what a year all right so i would like to end on this excluding the playoffs because there's so many great moments excluding playoffs just regular season only favorite moment of the season i mean it's funny how this like how it worked out but the first thing that comes to mind and like honestly i don't know if i was more excited at all during the regular season was when we got soto that trade was insane i was literally like jumping around my apartment in uncontrollable glee that was one of my favorite experiences and like i just could not wait for the game to see him in a Padres uniform like it felt like the whole world was aligning for us at that point yeah i think for me that would be probably number three on the season Um, And the reason I say that is because I did get to go to the game after the post-trade deadline. So the Drury Grand Slam is by far number one on the list for me because I was there and got to experience that. Um, Number two, and I don't know why, but this is the thing that just comes to my head right away. Um, Because this was the most shocked. Like, I just remember, I didn't even, like, jump up and down. I didn't scream. I just, like, literally opened my mouth and put my hands on my head because I was not expecting it was when Jorge Alfaro hit the <laughs> walk-off home run on Mother's Day against Miami yes. because we completely looked incompetent on offense. Oh, my and gosh, yes. And then just for, you know, to have a base-running blunder that ending by Profar to kind of seemingly kill everything, and then it turned into this whole story of, you know, Alfaro being a walk-off master. But, yeah, that that for some reason just comes to my mind right away. So Yeah, that was, um, that was but, an insane yeah. moment. And I totally agree with you that I wasn't, like excited at that point my only emotion was like how did we not lose that game (laughs) because it looked so certain right so certain yeah exactly yeah and we can go 10 15 100 moments deep honestly on uh on this regular season and even deeper on the postseason but uh yeah i could rank like every pitch that I saw in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, though. It's so true. But, yeah, just a awesome season. Can't say it enough. And, uh, yeah, already counting the days to spring training. Big time. Can't wait for that. What is it? 12-something start. We are one of the 12, first 10, 12-10 yeah. start against the Mariners. Padres Mariners, as always, in Peoria. Yep. Alrighty, well, unless you have anything else you want to talk about, Johnny, I think that'll about do it for this episode. Um, the next, like you know, like we mentioned in previous episodes, uh, stay around for this off season because this is one of the most exciting times uh, in baseball. We get to break down predictions, talk about trades and and signings and drama because there's something that always happens drama wise, and we're really looking forward to the off season. So stick around. And check out our socials. 
Um, but yeah, really looking forward to this off season and, and to watching this World Series here. Absolutely. Yep. We will have multiple episodes on Padres off season plans. I already talked about the whole Tatis saga. Um, lots of interesting decisions to be made with free agents, trades, etc. How to fill out the end of the rotation, the end of the bullpen, um, and fill our hole at first base and uh, probably a corner outfield spot. But yeah, we'll get into all of that after the World Series wraps up and we hit free agency in early November. So yeah, stick around and thank you for a great season of Padres baseball. Our first season on the pod, our first half season really. But yeah, thank you. Thank you guys very much. Later.